evening to you. Tonight we look at Acts 15, so if you turn in your Bible. Paul and Barnabas have just completed their missionary journey. They came back to their sending church in Antioch. They were rejoicing, serving the Lord faithfully there, and uh, letting the church know uh, what had happened. The church had sent them out on this missionary journey and they gave their report back to the church. And then verse 15, of chapter 15 comes in with the word but. But some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. So here came an issue in the church and it was a key issue. It dealt with salvation. What does salvation consist of? What must accompany, accompany it? And um, is it different for different people? Uh, you know the gospel was going out to the Gentiles. We saw that in Paul's missionary journey. And we saw the Jews opposed it. And uh, now we see how um, the conflict that came about when Jewish and Gentile believers sought to worship the Lord and are seeking an understanding of the word of God. You know, when you say that, you may be thinking about um, what does that, how does that relate to us today? Well, it relates in a, in a very essential way is it gives us, um, it helps us understand the essential of the gospel because of this first conflict that came up with them. And it also tells us how the early church resolved some of their issues and some of their conflicts. So let's take a look and see what we can glean from that. <clears throat> Look at verse 2. And after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them. We notice that. Some of us are a little bit uncomfortable with that. Dissension and debate. But what happens is this is a critical issue. It is wrong for us to, to fight over things that aren't important. And most, uh, many times our fights are just that. Uh, uh, they are over our will to get our way but not what is really significant and what is important. But here, the battle is over the gospel. And so there was a contention. There was a debate. There was dissension. Um, and what it is is Paul and Barnabas are challenging this wrong thinking and wrong teaching concerning the gospel. And we see that's what should happen in the church. The gospel needs to be uh, first and foremost, and anything that competes with it needs to be challenged. Anything that seeks to change and differ from it needs to be challenged in the church. And that's exactly what Paul and Barnabas did. Not only them, <clears throat> it tells us how that debate went. Middle of verse 2, Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders about this question. Now, some get the wrong idea why they went up to Jerusalem. Um, not for permission. Uh, they went up because this is a crucial issue in a church and as the church started there and the, many of the leaders, the apostles of the church were there, they needed to be involved in this debate as well. They needed to, to, um, to understand and come to grips with, with what need to be understood concerning this debate. <clears throat> Um, 
as they began to do this, verse, let's just read verse 3 on. So being sent on their way by the church, they passed through both Phoenicia and Samaria. Now, that's important to stop there. Being sent on their way by the church. The church at Antioch sent Paul and Barnabas. And so as they debated that issue, there was an understanding of what, what should be. And they sent Paul and Barnabas to represent and to go and now to speak further with the leadership um, the leaders in the church in Jerusalem. So they were there. <coughs> and it says, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles and brought great joy to all the brothers. So on their way to Jerusalem, they were talking to, to believers and encouraging them by what God was doing. <coughs> Verse 4, when they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders. And they declared, they declared all that God had done with them. But some believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees rose up and said, it is necessary to circumcise them and to order them to keep the law of Moses. So here's where the d dispute was. What do you do with Gentiles who come to faith in Christ? What kind of, of, of life are they to live? Are they to live like Jew Jews? Are they mandated now? to keep the uh, ritual um, uh, commands of the Old Testament or, or is there a distinction that needs to be made? And so this was a very important issue and let's see how it becomes settled. Verse six, <clears throat> the apostles and elders were gathered together to consider this matter. And after they, there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, and he, he begins to, to speak. I wanna notice a couple of things. They had a healthy debate. You know debate is healthy? It is healthy if it's done in the right way. It helps people come to an understanding. It's unfortunate that um, sometimes, I know in our church we had a huge uh, debate about sovereignty of God and, and I thought that it, was, it should have been a healthy debate. I did everything I could to make that be a healthy debate. I engaged people in thinking um, in fact, our, our, the um, question and answer box that we use right now was there for that very reason. So people could search through the scriptures, they could pr bring any questions that they had and uh, uh, have that kind of debate. This debate was healthy. Um, well, it was healthy to have a debate so that we might clearly understand scripture in important matters and what scripture has to say. And that's what they did. <coughs> So they didn't shy away from getting an understanding, even when some people may have differed from them and needed to, to, uh, to, to come to a good understanding. <clears throat> so in the middle of verse 7, after, after there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brothers, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. Peter is rehearsing how God has used him and how he has worked in this ministry and what that should reveal to them. God had let Peter see that the gospel, it was God's plan that the gospel go out to the Gentiles. And so Peter had to deal with some wrong thinking that he had, um, and God corrected that. You can see that earlier in Acts, Acts chapter um, 9 and, and 10 with his giving the gospel to Cornelius, <coughs> who was a Gentile. Notice verse 8 now. And God, who knows the heart, 
bore witness to them, he's talking about Gentiles, by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? But we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus just as they will. A couple things I note there. Notice how he uses salvation in a future tense. Several tenses to salvation. We're going to be rescued just in the same way we as Jews, Peter is saying, will be rescued, will be delivered, um, will be part of God's plan for his people just in the same way the Gentiles are, and that's by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He asked the question, why are you putting, uh, placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples? The word disciples means believers. Why would you put a, uh, a burden on believers, Gentile believers in this case? And he, he mentions it this way, a burden that no one has ever been able to bear. What is he saying? He says the law is good. The law uh, came from God, but it showed that no one could keep the law. And so he's saying um, by, by bringing or requiring Gentiles to uh, obey the law and to walk in accordance with the law is something that no other generation has been able to do. And in fact, he's pointing out that this, this was not, um, it's not God's plan for Gentiles to live under this burden. Neither was, his, was his, God's plan for Jews to live under this Old Testament law burden anymore. And so he speaks. Um, verse 12, it says, And the assembly fell silent, and they listened to Barnabas and Paul. So Barnabas and Paul speak. One, one thing I notice here in this this debate, it was orderly. It was done orderly. There was a difference of opinion, um, but they listened to leaders. They listened. There was a time for each one to speak, and here, here in verse 12 is a time for Paul and Barnabas to speak. They speak just like Peter did of how God had used them to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. After they finished speaking, look at verse 13. After they finished speaking, James replied, Brothers, listen to me. He, te he tells them about how God, um, you know, how Peter, he uses the name Simon or Simeon, that's Peter's name, how he, re he talked about his experience and what God had done through that. And then he does something very significant. He says, verse 15, And with this, the words of the prophets agree. He brings in the word of God. That debate then needs to be based on the teaching of the word of God. What does God's word say? He goes to the Old Testament and he says, he established that it's been God's plan all along to bring the gospel to Gentiles. And so um, that's an important uh, point in, in this whole argument. <clears throat> Verse 19, therefore my judgment is that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God, but should write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols and from sexual immorality and from what has been strangled and from blood. I wonder why they put those requirements on them. Is that, 
He's not saying, let's say this, he's not saying the Gentiles have to do this in order to be saved. He's recognizing that the Gentiles have been saved by the same, turning to the same gospel that we as Jews have. <clears throat> what he's telling them is, once the Gentiles are saved, how should they live? How should they walk? And he's saying, do this. And he mentions a few things for them to keep in mind. Why is he saying this? He's saying the Gentiles need to recognize they have no obligation to keep the law. The Jews don't have an obligation there either. We've been freed from the law. And the, old, the New Testament will point that out um, more clearly in other passages as well. But he's saying when Jews and Gentile believers live together, Gentile believers need to live in such a way to show respect for what the uh, what the Jews have gone through and, and what they have, have um, what they have um, observed in the in their different um, heritage and in their experiences. He says, basically, respect where they came from. You don't have to follow that, and you don't have to uh, follow their same Old Testament rituals, but you need to show respect for where they came from. And so he says this. Um, Abstain from things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, and from what has been strangled, and from blood. And he says there's great respect for, for Jews and the law, and we want to keep respecting those things and those people as well, even though we're not obligated to that anymore. And so, um, as the church, verse 22, it seemed good to the apostles and elders with the whole church to choose men among them and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. So they sent two people along with Paul and Barnabas. Um, and they give a letter for them. I like, I like the letter, so I want to read that, verse 23. With the following letter, Brothers, both the apostles and elders to the brothers who are of the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and Galatia, uh, Cilicia's greetings. Since we have heard that some persons have gone out from us and troubled you with words unsettling your minds, although we gave them no instructions, it has seemed good to us, having come to one accord, to choose men and send them to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who themselves will tell you the same things by word of mouth. For it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements, that you abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols and from blood and for what has been strangled and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these, you will do well, far well. I like how simple, straightforward this is and how they came to a unity about that as they discussed it, as they debated and the Holy Spirit put his stamp of approval on that as well. And you'll, we don't have time to get into the response from uh, the impact it's had on, on, on the believers there. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that later. But it shows the order as they dealt with a very important issue, a very difficult is issue in the church, um, and, and how they resolved that issue in, in, a, um, in a significant way. So praise God for what we learn a um, couple things to summarize. We learn debate is not always the evil thing. It's a good thing. It, uh, it helps us clarify what, what the teaching of God's word is. And there is a way to do that, a way to conduct that. And they did that in an orderly manner. 
Um, they listened to each other. Um, they, they gave each other time to speak, and they allowed the Holy Spirit, um, looked at the, the way the Holy Spirit and how God had worked in them and reviewed that and um, um, then looked at how that compared to the teaching of the Word of God, and they saw that that all was in unison, in unity, and they, from that they derived how God was working and how they should deal with the issue at hand. <clears throat> In our time of meditation, we're going to continue through Hebrews. It says, Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses was also faithful in all of God's house. For Jesus has counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant, to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house if we indeed we hold our fa fast our confidence and our boasting and our hope think a little bit about the man Moses and the comparison is being made to Moses and how great a man that Moses was that he was respected and feared by the number one empire of the world at his time Moses had been raised in Egypt but even though he was raised in Egypt and given an Egyptian education he rejected false religion that was intertwined in that education the Egyptians had many gods and they really believed in a complex system of how all those gods governed all the forces of the universe but Moses rejected that he believed in one God and he kept on believing he knew that God had called him to deliver his people but when he was a young man, he tried to jump the ball and he tried to deliver the people by himself. He tried to do it by force. Later on, when he was older, God used him to deliver the people by his own powers. And Moses didn't really have to lift a hand to do that. So you see throughout the book of Exodus that Moses is growing as he walks with God. Moses loved God. Moses talked to God face to face. He said, God spoke to Moses like a man would speak to his friend. And Moses saw God. God said, well, you can't see my face or you would die, but I'll show you my back. He put Moses and he put him in a cleft of the rock and he passed by Moses. And he saw and he announced his name and his name was super long, right? But I think if we would understand the heavenly language, it would barely all those thoughts would just come to us because if you think about all that God is it's nothing that really can be put into words right so God said a paragraph about himself but when you think about it I bet you when we get to heaven it's just going to be one word that means all those things and so Moses knew God Moses wrote down God's law when Moses said something to the people he was so faithful his word was God's law 
He talked to God. He knew how to explain every aspect of what God's law was and why it was. But Moses was just a servant. Even as powerful as he was, he was still just a servant. Jesus was a son. We have a whole religion that is based off of following the words of Moses. The debate that Paul and Peter and James had that we saw in Acts 15 today is never truly has ended when it comes to the Jews. They still are trying to say that people need to follow the Jewish religion first. But we understand through Christianity that we are saved by grace alone. Grace through faith. It is by faith that we are saved, right? And so we know that God is saving us not through the law of Moses, but through faith in his son. So that kind of elevates something, right? Even when Jesus, when he was standing on the mount, Moses and Elijah were talking to him. And you kind of get the picture that they was saying in some ways, hey, man, all that we did was about this. Yeah, I wrote all these books. This is what it really was about. Moses said, one day there's going to be a servant of God that's kind of like me. But he's going to be greater than me. And I know Moses was thinking, like, sometimes I look at y'all and y'all be complaining and whining, doing all that stuff. It's not going to be like that with him. He's going to put God's law right in the hearts. It's not going to be explained. He's like, he was telling him, hey, you remember when I gave you the Ten Commandments and everybody was afraid? They said they didn't want to see God again. Well, this guy is going to be a little bit different. He will be God. It was an incredible thing for him to say that because there's nobody like Moses. But you know what? We sing the song, there's nobody like Jesus. Jesus surpassed the greatness of Moses. And that doesn't take away from Moses. Out of men, how can you beat Moses, right? But when it comes to Jesus, it just talks about the supremacy of what he is, what he's done for us. And he says this, that God built a house. He has a son, and Moses is one of his servants. But we are of that house if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting and our hope. And what does it mean by that? The thought is this. We can say, God will save me. He will deliver me no matter what I face. That's our boast. To others, that appears to be boasting. If you talk to the world now, they say, man, how come you don't have no doubts? Well, that's a matter of opinion. No, it's not. Well, that's debatable. No, it's not. That's the absolute truth. Man, that's kind of arrogant that you can say what you believe is the absolute truth. Well, that's my boast. It will not fall down. The Bible also says this, those who put their faith in him will not be put to shame. That's why it's boasting, right? But you know what? We can back it up. Not we, but God can back it up, amen? So that's our meditation for today. How are we doing tonight? All right, I'm going to take three people to pray tonight. 
and one of them, search yourself. One of the prayer people I want to be someone who's feeling overly zealous, a.k.a. courageous and bold today. So who wants to pray? Who's feeling like they want to pray? Nobody. Nobody wants to pray today. You can be the other category. What's that? I want volunteers. How can you be scared to pray? I mean, I could ask you to say, pray about anything ungodly. I mean, just don't pray about that if I did. You can, like, stone me where I stand or something. <laughs> so you're going to pray? You're going to pray? Who wants to be my zealous? Who's feeling overly zealous and bold today? Anybody? Who's feeling like David right now? Nobody. Yeah, you can't you can't be the one praying for the bold one and then say I'm reluctantly being bold. <laughs> that, don't, that don't count. All right, Nick. There you go, Nick. All right. So Heidi, I'm gonna give you the easy one. Heidi, you get to pray for Brian. Pastors Appreciation Day. So pray for, for our pastors. Let's pray for um, wisdom from the Lord. Um, continued strength as they preach. Continue patience with his people. <laughs> um, and then Shant, you can pray for your dad. Pray for them. Um, so let's just have their, those two to focus on them. Nick, dun, dun, dun. you get to pray for, against all the false teachers out there who are not God's people that God hinders their works, hinders their unrighteous message, and that the people that are his, that are in those churches, that they are removed. They can go to godly people, right? The David prayer. Okay? And then I'll finish. in prayer, Lord. We just lift up Brian and Pastor, these two godly men, Lord. We just praise you for them. We praise you for the messages that they give us and um, how you've just done so much work through them. We just praise you for Pastor, Lord, as um, each person in this church can say something about him, how he has blessed them in some way inside the church and outside the church, how he is wholly devoted to his flock fully devoted to serving you. Um, we can think of Brian as he's, there's no question his zeal for you. There's no question for the amount of work he puts into, um, both men puts into um, preaching your word and um, how Brian wishes to see your church grow and how pastor wishes to see your message go out. We just thank you for these two men. We thank you for their families, um, how both men have been given um, a huge responsibility leading your flock and how um, both men have endured much burdens with that responsibility. Um, I can say both have been through um, numerous church splits and how that weighs on them and their family and how they've continued to stay um, grounded in your word and 
focused on you and continuing to be up here every week, spreading your word and um, leading people to you and pointing them to you and the importance of following you. We just thank you for the models and we thank you for blessing us with them and blessing us with the ability to hear your word and continue to just grow and focus on you. Um, we look at those in uh, our world and in our city who are not your people and who um, are out there blaspheming your word, trying to say it's from you, and out there turning um, people away from you and um, praying on those people who want to be a part of you and be a part of your flock. We just ask that you hinder their works and um, give them no peace. And um, if it be you will, that you crumble the works that they're doing and um, help it come to nothing. We know ultimately that their judgment is being stored up every day and every time they speak a word contradictory to your word. Um, we ask that you continue to just grow your people, grow um, your, the pastors you've put over us and um, diminish those. And um, if there are anybody who are in these churches looking to truly follow you and that are your people, that we ask that you just um, turn them out of those churches, show them the way to a godly church and to be under um, godly leadership. In your name we pray. Amen. So, you know, something miraculous happened tonight. Anybody guess what it is? That's a good one. Nope. Everybody here has something to pray about. So we're going to go down the line and everybody gives me something to pray about. Let's start with you, Pastor. Something to pray about. And it doesn't have to be, I need this, or this is broken, or this is hurting, and this hurting is broken. It just be, I want to praise God for just something to pray to God about tonight. All right. Yeah. Daddy? for me for my continued job search um, I did apply to the rescue mission and they just emailed me while I was sitting here so hopefully I will hear something back about that so far all of the emails will come back no 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 I'm like okay well whatever God we'll see what you want to do so I'm not going to freak out about it um, secondly uh, pray for my interaction with my sister April because uh, 
she made a comment on a status that my uncle put up, and we kind of got into a little debate about scripture she tried to apply to the situation. So I actually have a chance to sit down with her and kind of discuss the scripture, and hopefully that will open the door for some other stuff. So I spend a lot more time with her. She's um, going through a little bit of depression right now because of her uh, job situation. Her job is cutting her hours, so doesn't have a whole lot of money, and that's kind of getting her down. And she's already battling the depression. So if you can just pray for that, I want to try to impact her life um, with that. And also she's trying to get a job doing the same thing that Mrs. Skinner is doing at the hospital. So uh, I believe she went today. I think she might have got the job. She didn't follow up with me yet. She had her shadow, her job shadow. Uh, I think at your location. Yep. So um, let's see how that goes. And then for my mother, who was going through physical therapy um, after she had her two, two strokes. Physical therapy is not as uh, fun as she anticipated it being. But she, she's been doing a little less crying and whining about having to go this time, so that's good. Normally I have to come over there. They call me. She won't get in the car. I have to come over to the house, like, get in the car. Or she's like, you on the phone with Lawrence? Okay, I'm getting in the car. I'm getting in the car. <laughs> so I guess I'm the, I'm the parent now. <laughs> so lots of doctor's appointments and stuff. So I got all this time with her now, so I'll just pray that as I um, take her to her appointments, I can also impact her life. And that's what I have. So let's uh, get our partners and pray.